Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Drafters, fantasy, NFL, best ball championship, a $2 million prize pool with $300,000 up top. No playoffs, no weekly winners, none of that stuff. Draft the best team, score the most points. By week 17, you take home $300,000. That is our goal today here on Spike Week. We're going to get into a little bit of strategy and hop into a draft. Let's do it. What is going on, guys? Welcome to a, a fun daytime special edition. Um, as probably everyone knows now, our good friend Rob Coakley is out at the uh, World Series of Poker, going to go take home a bazillion dollars in uh, the main event here. So we kind of tweaked our schedule a little bit to bring you a special drafters draft. I got my guy Bernie, a.k.a. B. Kurt, here and we're going to walk through really quickly a little bit of strategy for drafters. If you are unfamiliar, which if you're watching this, you might be familiar, but a little bit of a different best ball format relative to uh, what we're used to. Very, very different from something like uh, best ball mania, both scoring, you know, the actual points that players accrue and, um, you know, how you win the top prize on on drafters. As I mentioned at the top, it is what we would call a cumulative scoring format meaning once you draft your team you know those 11 people we're going to draft against here in a minute it doesn't matter we're competing against everyone else in the entire tournament to score the most points from week one to week 17 so that has a little bit of a different strategy around it and we're going to try to see if we can tackle that today but first uh here's a here's behind the scenes look i always call you b kurt and everyone calls you b kurt because that's like what we do in this industry people just go with the username do you prefer to be called by bernie or b kurt i have just literally made the assumption myself i'm like i just call him b kurt that's that's what i see on my screen every day that's the person that i talk to what should we address you as what do you want the people to address you as 
So the official stance is my friends go with B Kurt and there's some like okay. derivatives off that as well. Okay. But colleagues and coworkers go with Bernie. So I think yeah. B Kurt's probably better for this venue. But like yeah. either or is cool. It's funny, you you are the inverse to me. There is no like no one besides my wife and my parent, like my direct family, my parents and my sister, even like my closest family, my first cousins, like uh, my uncles and stuff will call everyone calls me Bime, like Dime, but with a with a B because yeah. my last name is Bime for obviously. Literally, no one I know calls me Eric. <coughs> and oh, so really? when, when so on then on the right the opposite end is we come on this and everyone because that's the only thing that it, people know me as is is Eric. And so it's it's very funny. Uh, we're we're kind of uh, the inverse that even your friend, you know, you're used to being called B Kurt. People here call you B Kurt, and your friends call you B Kurt, but just your your colleagues. But um, yeah. let's get into really quickly. I want to hear your thoughts. I know you've been crushing some drafters drafts. Um, and two quick sort of two part question before we hop into this draft and start diving in to building this team. What is your general kind of strategic approach around drafters like in terms of like how is it different from any other format of best ball? And then what have you seen so far this year that um, are some things that you've, you know, whether it was something you planned to do going in or some things you picked up doing drafts that you think are kind of some strategic edges? Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually changed my strategy a lot this year compared to last year. So I'll go into kind of the differences in a second. Oh, perfect. Uh, but first off, big shout out to Rob. He's in the final 441 people in the main event. That's pretty sick. Uh, Can I also add to that? That is the exact same amount of people that are in the Best Ball Mania Week 17 final. So I'm pretty sure that's a sign from the gambling gods that like those two are very random numbers. If they match up for him to make it to that final number, I think he's supposed to win this thing. Yeah, I mean, I would be so happy if he got the 5.5 cranes that are going to be awarded to the winner. I know. The main event. Um, okay, so let's jump into the drafter strategy. Enough about Rob. Yes, enough yeah. about Rob. Um, so you mentioned how it's different. You're not just competing against your 11 pod mates or 11 draft mates. And I think that's where I struggled a little bit last year. I about broke even on drafters, but had no, no real sweat at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I was really focused on winning my draft lobby as opposed to winning the contest. So that's where I've shifted a lot of my thinking coming into this year of, okay, how do I get myself that one percentile outcome or five percentile outcome and hope to run good and hit the top 10 or something like that? Because you can see, we have it pulled up here. You really, I mean, it's pretty flat, but like you really want to get in the top five. Like if you're going to make any money on the contest here. Um, So getting in that and making yourself viable to actually get those outcomes is something that I've been really focused on. Right. As you say, there's a, what you see on your screen here and for the audio listeners, there's a hundred, 111,252 potential entries into this tournament. That would be if it, if it fully fills, not that's something we'll be diving into later this summer uh, if there's some overlay sitting here that we can potentially take advantage of. But, you know, let's call it 100,000 or 100,000 plus entries into this tournament. You have to score more points than all of those teams for you know, 17 weeks. And like you said, it is a we're so ingrained with right because we can't see the other drafts. We don't know what's happening elsewhere the only thing that our human brain kind of thinks about is, all right, I'm in this room, right? If I get, uh, you know, something to fall to me, I have to do what 
this room is dictating. And of course you want to take advantage of things that the room is giving you, you know, a, a massive value on some wide receiver or something, but you also have to take into account that like, this is not a situation where you said beating your winning your draft really nets you anything at all. You could win your draft and not come close to even min cashing in this tournament. Yeah. Whereas on underdog and on DraftKings, if you win your draft, it's like, look, I made money, you know, or I didn't lose. I certainly didn't lose yeah. money. You may not advance, you know, anywhere past there, but that's the first step of a four step goal on here. That, that goal does not exist. It's not relevant. And so um, things like, right. Unique combinations, things like, um, maybe some folks might want to take a little bit of a bigger player stand on certain individuals. I think that's an intriguing strategy. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm going to get two things right this year and then let the you know lottery gods and mix and match around those those couple of things. There's a lot of different things that we can do in this tournament. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and hop in and we can just talk while uh, while it's loading up. I know there's some people sitting in the chat getting ready to uh, uh, foaming at the mouth. It seems to uh, seven more. Okay. Seven more. So um, w- uh, was there anything so far this year, you mentioned like your strategy has changed from last year to this year, but was there anything you're specifically doing this year um, that, you know, is you kind of believe is a big edge or just kind of a strategical angle you're taking to this tournament? So I'm trying to stack two offenses for sure. Uh, ideally one of them being a lower end. Like I just think of somebody like the Packers. Okay. If I can get Jordan love double stacked or even triple stacked that if they greatly outseed what the market expectation is on them, that's a way that I can help differentiate. Um, if we looked at my drafts, you'd see I'm a sicko and I'm making Ryan Tannehill Titan stacks on drafts. Love it. Love it. Um, dude's going undrafted in a vast majority of drafts. No one's stacking the Titans. Like if I can just get a Henry Chig and Burke stack going with Tannehill, like, okay. Yeah. Titans probably suck. Vegas has them at like a 3.5 over under, but last year they were in it until the final week and -hmm. they had to start Josh Dobbs at quarterback to try to get into the playoffs, right? So like, let's say Tannehill doesn't get hurt and they're fighting all the way to the end, seven, eight wins. Like they're probably a viable offense in something like this that's cumulative scoring. Yeah, uh, they're a really interesting one. Uh, Well, for both of those reasons, like you said, one, they're cheap, which is the the very starting Mm -hmm. point. You mentioned the Packers. Um, the Patriots definitely fall into that bucket. It's generally, of course, the offenses that we're not super excited about, right? Or the market, at least, is not super excited about. Um, I find it interesting that you can get some of these uh, other quarterbacks, say uh, my guy, you know, Sam Howell. Brock Purdy is relatively inexpensive. Kenny Pickett is inexpensive. Those offenses are medium. Now, Brock Purdy uh, is in a very expensive offense, but you know, the Steelers, the commanders, et cetera, are what I would kind of call medium cost offenses. They're cheap relative to the expensive ones, but they're not so cheap as say the Titans or the Patriots. And that cost, just that general cost, we know that like stacking in the correlated upside weeks and all of those things are, are very important. And I think, I don't want to say that they're more important than this because they're not, but they're more important than in this format over the course of the entire season. Right. Mm-hmm. You can you could not stack you could not stack a single team in best ball mania and 
probably perform at expectation if you just like set general positional, you know, guidelines, right? Don't take yeah. five quarterbacks, don't take five tight ends, whatever. Um, you could probably do fine, just like soaking up ADP value, taking the best player available. But where you run into trouble, of course, is the playoff weeks where you need those those spikes, right? You just need to finish in the top two, sometimes the top four of your league to advance on underdog or DraftKings. And so it's very it feels like, oh, I got to stack on underdog and DraftKings. And here, oh, I don't necessarily need to stack. And I kind of treat it the opposite. I want to stack on those other those other sites, but it's because of week 15, 16, 17. Here it seems counterintuitive, but I need right when Jamar Chase drops that 50 ball. Right. Well, that that's probably like four touchdowns <laughs> because yeah. it's really hard to score 50 points without scoring a whole bunch of touchdowns. Well, what does that mean? Joe Burrow is probably having a monster week as well. Right. And so when, as you mentioned, the cheap offenses do well uh, and it looks like we're at eight to 12. So four more if you're watching, listening, um, et cetera. When the cheap offense exceeds expectation. When Traylon Burks and Chit, you know, Tannehill throws for 304 and he actually makes your lineup. Now you still have a loaded team of superstars with these spikes from the cheap guy. Is Ryan Tannehill going to be the QB one overall at all this year? <laughs> Probably not. But what, what, what happens when it happens? The Titans have been a good offense and Tannehill was a good fantasy quarterback for years. I know AJ Brown's gone. You know, there's no Julio, whatever. But like what happens when the cheap offense has the big weeks and you want to use those scores, it's even more impactful than just a general stack having that big week, right? When last year, when Trevor Lawrence was having big weeks and Zay Jones was having big weeks and Evan Ingram was having big, like if you had that stack, like we all love Christian Kirk and he was cheap too, I guess he, they're, they're like a little more like the Titans actually where this year, which is kind of crazy to say when they have those monster weeks, you still have Jamar chase and Tony Pollard, right. And George Kittle, and uh, Jerry Judy, you have all these guys on that team mm -hmm. alongside super elite performances, and it's all coming together in the same week. And so those spike weeks are what win you this drafters tournament, even though it feels like I just need to score a bunch, right? I just need a, a bunch of guys who score a bunch of points. Draft the best of, players, right? Yeah, right. You would think like, I think the human brain would think that in, in inherently in this, but I actually think it's kind of the opposite because I need these monster weeks that come together at the same time. I want the monster weeks mm -hmm. in general, but I want to have the weeks where I score 200 and you know, whatever, 250 points because Tannehill scored 35 and I have the two guys that he threw it to. And I have Justin Jefferson and I have, you know, et cetera, Brees Hall, whatever. And so um, you combine that with what you said, if they outperform over the whole season, right? Geno Smith and the Seahawks last year is the, the perfect example as the draft is just filled. When the Seahawks outperform over the course of the entire season, did, was Geno ever the QB1? I don't believe he was the QB1. He, he had a couple of like top five finishes, but him and then DK Metcalf is underpriced and Tyler Lockett is underpriced and Ken Walker is underpriced <laughs> and the whole offense is just exceeding their draft cost. And so um, the late round stack was definitely one of the big ones for me. And then, as you said, um, just general double stacking looks like of course as we load the draft Ooh. here we're picking 10th um which is not a lot of fun but we definitely have a little bit of a friends and friends and family draft here i'm interested uh as the the clock winds down to get this puppy ready what have you been doing from the back end of of drafts and say sp particularly on drafters because it you know we, we've all kind of established we would love to get a top five or top six pick uh yeah. on any site and the back end is a little bit tougher what have you been doing back there 
I've just been getting quite unique and that could be, and I mean, quite unique is a very vague term, but really <laughs> just seeing what's in front of me. I mean, I've done everything from going for a cowboy stack back there. Like if I just get boxed into CD Lamb at let's say the 10 and I don't like what comes back at the 15, ripping Tony Pollard and seeing what mm -hmm. that happens. There's some interesting Eagle stuff you can do. I was actually hoping we get like a top four pick and we could go Eagles. Um, one of the really interesting things about Jalen Hurts is I'm going to pull up his ADP so we can actually see that Jalen Hurts is absolutely just plummeted in the red line on ADP on drafters, which gives me this idea. And I was researching it earlier today with the Spike Week tools um, that if you jump AJ Brown up to like the four spot or the three spot, you can realistically go Brown Smith Hurts or Brown Hurts Smith. In every single one of my drafts, I went and looked at the ownership on opponent IQ. No one in any of my drafts has gotten that combo. That's interesting. And that's like a really interesting thing. Uh, Allen and Mahomes haven't had that massive drop off. They dropped some and then they stabilized. So I'm thinking that there's like a really good opportunity to buy Hertz right now when his he's kind of hit a dip and he'll probably pop back up. If we look at like QB ADP, he's down at 25, but like these guys aren't actually this close in a lot of drafts this week or so. That's interesting. Are you generally looking at more of the um, elite elite guys on, on drafters or no strong preference kind of mixing and matching? Or what are you thinking about the, the elite quarterback prices? No super strong preference. Like I'll, you should have shut up. By it, the way, I just saw. I, I know. Just saw I, this. The like, river someone is watching it. and listening, and they were like, hmm, "I pick third. That sounds like a good idea to go for the Eagles." I mean, <laughs> good for them. Maybe I just psyoped them into it, and like I, yeah. we didn't want AJ Brown at ten, so I just tricked you to take him at three. Um, All right, we are on the clock at at ten. What do you? What do you? I I am very open. I do still like Bijan, but uh, drafters is full PPR if that matters. Um, CD. If we look, I'm pretty flat across all yeah. these folks. CD or Bijan, is that what you're going to say? Yeah, CD or Bijan for me. Do you have a preference? Um, I do not. Let's take Let's, CD. I can't, yeah. I can't take this first draft and take a running back in the first round. I'm sorry. I mean, everyone's going to be calling you a running back, bro, pretty soon. I know. I do take more running backs than than before, but I have been forcing myself into uh, – uh, I have found uh, I've been drafting mostly weekly winners lately. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why uh, I've been playing around with some of the elite elite running backs. But I actually think um, on drafters, something that is also under under represented, under utilized, under owned is not necessarily like pure zero RB. OK, we are back on the clock. Devante, Bijan, Devante, Mahomes and Amon Rago. Um, do you I want do to really like do that Tony Pollard pick? Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. It gives us one of these super elite running backs. It obviously sets us up for the Cowboys. There is no other one thing that's really interesting to me that you, you want to, you know, you and I, we, uh, we're sickos at heart. You like to galaxy brain these things. But especially in a room like this, where I know, like, I know most of these names and I know that they're good <laughs> at this. And I know that there's numerous all, of them in the chat. <laughs> yes. They're, they're, they're like mostly all watch. Yeah. They're mostly all watching. Everyone, like understanding your room is very important. I, generally, 
most of these people will kind of stay in their own lanes. Will we compete over some mm-hmm. of the same players? Of, of course. We also all probably like a lot of the same players. But there's not a cowboy besides Brandon Cooks, who I don't give a shit about, um, but that goes before Dak besides CD mm-hmm. and Pollard. And CD and Pollard, to me, is really soaking up the majority of the offense anyway. So it gives you a little bit of flexibility on Dak where yeah. sometimes that's not the case. Like, I love Lamar. I take a lot of Lamar. Um, and I do like the flexibility in that there's multiple stacking options with him. But you do start to get pressed because people that don't have Lamar will absolutely draft Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews and all of that. This is the inverse of that where I uh, don't really feel like pressured about Dak. If we don't get Dak, it's okay. But also we're in a good spot to potentially soak up, like set ourselves up for good value on Dak. It also last thing gives us a late round tight end that I actually like. I also really like in this format in Jake Ferguson um, Mm -hmm. to really load up on, on Cowboys. And so I like um, thinking about the draft. We always talk about it from the back to the front. And so, so people might say, why would you, you know, why would you reach on Pollard or why would you do this or that? And it's because I'm thinking about, the ninth round and the 10th round and the 16th round and stuff like that, even though it's only the second round right now. Absolutely. Because, (coughs) sorry. (coughs) See, he didn't get the Eagles. This is what happens when you don't give. No, he did not. And right when it was my turn to talk, there we go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we had Big Disco comes in and takes Devonta Smith. Oh, man. I just talked about staying in our own lanes and then – uh, people are uh, the Eagles, I guess, though, is I mean, know, who doesn't a, want the Eagles play? Yeah, every, right? it's like, different. It's very different from reaching for an unstacked Dak than uh, taking Devonta Smith, who is just a good pick all around. Yeah. Coming back up here, what have you been? I, what have you been doing in this range where we we I don't want to say we're locked out of uh, kind of all the elite guys, but sort of sort of this is a pretty wide open tier to me how are you uh addressing this kind of late third through the like early fifth a pretty wide open tier i was kind of hoping that keenan allen would come to us and we could do like a keenan mike will and then that would give us outs on herbert and mm-hmm. dak um i'm pretty indifferent here i'm pr- probably between Ramar- lamar and ridley here let's say ridley um yeah I, I, I can basically work as that charger stack I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing. The prices are close enough to similar to the, the chargers mm-hmm. guys. And um, Ridley is a guy who is a very polarizing uh, player for sure. in fantasy this year, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you, I have any idea how it's going to play out for him. It could be over. He could be dust. It could have been a horrible move for the Jags, or he could still be Calvin Ridley in which case, in this whole big gigantic flat tier on an definitely great offense to elite offense. I just think he's a home run swing that I'm, I'm very interested in here. Um, do you feel like we need to take Kirk here or do you like Judy? I, Cause I like all these wide receivers. I, I, I've, yeah. I've really started to come around on Judy, Drake, London, DJ Moore, etc. So I would be into either Kirk or London. Do you Let's have do- a preference? Let's do London, actually. Okay. Yeah. So here's here's my thought process on that. If Calvin Ridley, and I, I, this is also where this format might be a smidge different than, um, say, Underdog or, or DraftKings, where 
I think you can kind of not, this isn't an overstack on the Jags, but it is a third round pick and a fourth round pick. If you take uh, both of those guys, maybe on underdog, you get fourth, fifth round. Mm -hmm. If Calvin Ridley is going to be the kind of hit we want in the third round for this, where there's no playoffs, right? There's no, there's, there's, there is a benefit to them ping ponging weeks, but like, if they're if they're kind of ping ponging, someone else might still have been a better pick than one of the other two. If right, so if Drake London emerges yeah. and Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk ping pong weeks, we'd still rather have Drake London than Christian Kirk there. And so, specific to Calvin Ridley, when he has the kind of year we're looking for and some of the weeks that we're looking for, I really think that hurts Christian Kirk like quite a bit on drafters specifically. Kirk can still be good. But if Ridley's kind of taking the majority of those spike weeks on this offense, I think it's a little bit, um, I think it dings us a little bit, particularly given the fact that we already focused in on the Cowboys at the top. And then if we focus in on the Jags, it's like all four of our first picks are really honed in on those two offenses, which is not necessarily bad. I think um, it just is something when I have those other options like a London or something like that, um, I would lean into that. Plus I like the, I like the Falcons. I like Drake London. Um, it does give us another backdoor option. You know, if something happens at quarterback and we want to take Ritter um, plus we took, not that this is really that important, but we took CD lamb over Bijan again, you know, mm-hmm. really galaxy brain ourselves into fake, you know, fake information that tells us we did something right. And we're leveraging off of that. Um, I just like, I just like kind of a solo Ridley a little, a little bit more if we want Ingram or Zay or, or or somebody like that. I think that makes sense. But um, that's just my general thought around that combo in the three, four turn ish. Yeah. And I have played it Ridley Kirk, basically just hoping that Ingram's dead. Um, yeah, and, or Zay, but, and Zay, right? Zay and yeah. Ingram go turn into nothing, and it's those two guys can totally work. Yep. But there's not a chance I would take off three of them in a tournament yeah, like yeah. this. Right, right. I think you can take both of them, like a premium Lawrence stack, and just you just say Ingram goes back to the Ingram he's been for however many years, and Zay goes back to the Zay he's been in how many years, and these two guys are the superstars. I think that that makes sense too. Let's see here. See, this is the this running back zone it's is just so gross. bad. I I I, I am kind of happy that we took Pollard actually. Uh, mm-hmm. People don't don't clip that or anything like that. Letting people know I'm I'm excited about the fact we took a running back. <laughs> but uh, it, having that nice anchor is is pretty good here. I do so. It really this is takes interesting. the pressure off. Yeah, I I, I really like Kittle. I really like. Uh, we're in round five. Kittle is probably my preference here, but also we can keep hammering wide receiver. Why don't we take Traylon? Okay. And then we'll keep Kittle in our back pocket if he comes back around to us. One thing that's nice about uh, uh, Burks that you have up on kind of up on the, the screen here, you have CD pulled up. But if you're using our, our draft hacker, you can see kind of how many different, you know, we have CD schedule up here, the AKA the Cowboy schedule up here. But if you go to Burks, you start to see, huh? Okay. Burks now gives us two different game stacks. They're high. They're uh, highlighted in green there. So in week 80 plays the Falcons. So we have him against London, which gives us a little game stack boost in week eight. And then obviously in week 11, I believe they play in week 18 too. So unfortunately we yeah. only get the one Titans Jags game, but still it's one Titans get Jags game. 
it's nice. It's in Jacksonville a little bit later in the season. So weather's not really an issue, just little small, small little things. All right. So Kittle went, I was kind of hoping he'd come back around. That's okay. What do you think about setting up the Ritter double? Gosh, where's what's Pitts ADP and what, what are the looking like? Yeah, let's take Pitts. Let's let's take Pitts because the other thing about this, which is another thing that works on all sites, but it's particularly powerful, I think, on drafters, is for drafting like we're right. We're just saying the Falcons are going to be really consolidated, and these two guys are really really good. Do we have Ritter in our back pocket in case we need that late round quarterback? Of course, but. If we take Dak, let, let's say this is a Dak Lawrence team. I'm just making, I'm not saying I yeah. want it to be that or it ends up that or whatever, but let's say it turns into a Dak Lawrence team. You, who, you don't need Ritter. You don't have to have Ritter can be good, good enough to make those two guys awesome picks, but and not so no good one that else, we need him. And the reason why I wanted to go Pitts instead of maybe Lawrence there is because no one else that has a Jag should be drafting Lawrence. Right, we have Jalen Hurts already on the Kirk team. And this call. team in the two hole shouldn't be drafting a quarterback here. If they draft a quarterback here, they're dead. Right, right, which is fine then because you know uh, so that keeps we'll be totally fine. To us. This I I do like the the he still went to his Eagles. Uh, that was that was nice. You know, he didn't get the uh, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, but came back and and built it around Goddard as a pseudo elite tight end. Um, that's a pretty fun team as well. See, this is, see, this is where it's a sharper room. People will say this all the time to you. And of course, like on DraftKings, when the rooms get really wonky and crazy and you get to build super teams, that is great. But there is also an inherent benefit to kind of a bunch of people who know what they're doing. And like I said, staying in their lanes and building the team based on what they have together. Um, you know, it it is it is kind of nice and refreshing because you don't have to worry as much about you know you, you, everyone should be able to build a good team, and you should be able to to build exactly what you want. So shout out to you guys for not uh, yeah. you know tanking our teams here. I'm going to backtrack on my comment about the running bear. So if the running bear stopped at four here, they're not dead. I was expecting 100%. another running back through there, and I so actually if- like that uh, kind of where they're going is their build if they just capped at four yeah i wouldn't personally take four but i think it's fine but now and now you have the elite tight end you know this has to be a four running back team only two quarterbacks ideally it's probably only two tight ends that's where things might get a little hairy but um it's not you know the dream team that i would love to build but i think it's totally fine with an anchor jamar chase all right, Let's we're not here. looking at a ton here. We could build out our DAC stack, or how do you feel about David Montgomery versus Brandon Cooks? Uh, I prefer David Montgomery, which is sickening to say, but um, I know. I just, <laughs> Dude, I just this really 21% like, kills my soul. I just really like um, the Lions. Uh, I think that he is a better version of they're the course field, you know, of, of DFS. And I love Jameer Gibbs, and he's awesome. But like this is a better version of Jamal Williams. And if something were to happen to Gibbs, like Jamal Williams never was the type of guy that could consume the whole workload. Um, He's just older, not that great of a back, like all around back. Whereas Montgomery has proven like, we don't have to love him. Like, 
you know, as a total like explosive football player. But if if the game calls for it and Dave Montgomery needs to play 90% of snaps, absolutely he can do it. He can catch passes. He can He's going to score goal line touchdowns. Um, I think he's a pretty good fit in all formats, but especially on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, God damn it, both Ravens wide receivers. So I, I would I would actually make a case for Elijah Moore over, over Brandon Cooks. We really mm-hmm. want Pollard and CD to be just the focal points of that offense. I think we want to go wide receiver here. And um, I do like Elijah Moore quite a bit. Yeah, he's kind of the last guy around. Yeah. I'm not big into Brandon Cooks. No. Yeah, so let's take a I'm perfectly fine, especially keeping other Cowboys available to us later. If we had took Cooks there, I wouldn't really want to touch anything else. I think that keeps us some optionality. Yep, yep. We have op- we we can take Ferguson as our second tight end. We can sprinkle Gallup in, you know, uh, a little bit later. I do just want to touch on Elijah Moore a little bit. When I came into the, you know, after that horrible year last year on the jets, my initial, like I think most people coming in position on him was just kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to love it right in Cleveland. Watson looked bad last year. They have Amari and Njoku. They're a run first team, blah, blah, blah. But like with all wide receivers pushed up and he was pushed up last year, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I feel like we can give him a little bit of a, like, okay, maybe he's not as good get as Garrett Wilson, but who is not very many people. Going back, playing in the slot, he's definitely going to play in the slot where he's best. If Deshaun Watson takes a step, this is kind of like the Ridley thing. Could mm-hmm. Elijah Moore just suck and be a dud? Absolutely. But I think he's a pretty good home run swing, especially in full point PPR. Um, the hype has been pretty good, which that's just off season, but the hype has been pretty good in Cleveland. And I think if Watson is competent or God forbid Watson is old Watson, like Amari is just Amari. He's good, mm-hmm. stable, consistent but i think the guy that could just like blow up is is elijah moore um and i like to target those kind of guys and we have a good wide receiver room but not amazing wide receiver room so i like to have you know that little bit of extra like brandon cooks is not gonna (laughs) win us this tournament i'm sorry to tell you but elijah moore might lose it for us but he also could win it for us yeah that's a really good point so we're not gonna get dak uh there's no chance he's gonna go to lemmings here probably at the 105 so we'll have to That's keep fine. ideating uh, what we're going to do. Just wanted to run through the team real quick. We have yep. at running back, Tony Pollard and David Montgomery. At wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, Calvin Ridley, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore. And at wide receiver, the GOAT himself, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, this is a pretty fun pretty fun team. Obviously, the uh, anchor Pollard. With a Montgomery's this nice little kind of zero RB hero RB target a bunch of what I'll call them wide range of outcomes player even CD is a yeah. little bit of a wide range of outcomes player for, for a first round you know for a one two turn pick obviously Pitts but like I don't think anyone can question the talent <laughs> on the team it's just you know does Calvin Ridley still have it was Elijah Moore ever actually that good I guess but like <laughs> a bunch a bunch of really young high upside players. Um, that I think, you know, you don't need to go overboard in any particular draft. We would have considered people like Brandon Cooks at the right uh, pick spots, but I think it's a pretty fun combination of players. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, there it is. Damn it. (laughs) All right. All right. This puts us in a really interesting position. I want Damian Harris. Yes. I mean, sign. Uh, yeah, like I don't have to <laughs> twist your arm, right? Nope, nope. 
Um, one thing, so one that, thing about him, we'll talk about him after. Let's talk through what we want to do here at the back turn. And then I do want to talk about him because I think he's being misjudged a little. Just a little. And I think a format like this as your RB3, I mean, that's just keeping us with a pretty good floor weekly, I'd imagine, because I, I'm foreseeing him getting a good chunk of workload. But also it does give us those ceilings as our RB3 with those wide receivers like makes a lot of sense for me. I don't think we needed a total swing like Penny on this squad. Right. All right. Let's see here. Oh, uh, I was going to pitch you on Richardson. So here's the question. I mean, I don't want Tua and I don't want Cousins. If we want quarterback, it would be Daniel Jones because we would still have stacking yeah. options later. But we also don't have to take um, Daniel Jones. It would be wide receiver probably if it's not. But wide receiver is pretty bad. Um. Let's get something quick. Pick running back. Uh, Herbert. All right. We got boxed out there. We were not yep. ready for that. I was really thinking Richardson was coming back through. Yeah, I would definitely would have been down for uh, uh, when I'm drafting Richardson. It's not that I don't like Pittman. I like Pittman just fine. I've been taking a lot of him with Alec Pierce, uh, actually. So uh, Pierce is kind of one of my more uh late-ish round wide receivers um i think he goes in the 140 150 range that uh is second year wide receiver down the field player kind of high upside fits really well with anthony richardson's like archetype it's not that michael Pittman can't do it it's just that if i can get a really cheap player that fits with anthony richardson's like skill set and kind of they're both like growing together uh, i really do like the richardson um Alec Pierce stack, but that's okay. Yeah. I was gonna look for Alec Pierce really quick. We yep. wouldn't have had to do any convincing there. <laughs> yep. It's probably about what I got too, which is funny because obviously I draft plenty of wide receivers, but I do find in that little pocket of the draft there, we get past this area of running backs where I kind of like them almost all these guys. I think they make a lot of sense. And you know, whether it's Herbert or even Kamara, right? Uh, we took Harris, Penny, Jamal Williams, Brian Robinson, all those guys make a lot of sense on just about any structure of a team. And then you get to a tier of running backs that like are fine, but I don't love, but that's where like Alec Pierce goes and those kinds of guys. So I end up like bouncing back and forth. Okay. Running back wide receiver. And then now we're going to go back to running back or late round tight end or whatever. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about um, quarterback and stacking wise uh, now? Should we be thinking about something we want to set up? Um, I, I will say I'm, I have not really been drafting Alvin Kamara too much, but we're going to get, if it does come all the way back to us and there he goes. So never mind. Goes to up dog. Yep. Uh, um, but I also think he's, he's interesting on drafters. If he doesn't get suspended, I do worry about like high value touches in terms of goal line and stuff like that. But I, I do think uh, the pass game should be pretty good. And cars cars, definitely a check down type of guy that could be good for Kamara in full PPR here. But what do you like? like right so with Kamara, I think the price is right now Yeah, for just factoring in every single thing that could be going on with him. So like if he goes down in the one twenties, like I'm, I think I'm fine with that. I don't have much yet. He's kind of finally settled down there. Um, where we're going here is if we're looking to stack, there's not a whole lot that's in this range for quarterbacks. Yeah. So yeah. I'm almost thinking punt in two or three later. 
Yeah. Um, My guy would be Jalen Warren here because that, that would set us up to, to, that would be our fifth running back. Correct. So Mm -hmm. we would need, we don't even have to take any more. Um, I think Warren is another guy that uh, is, is like a younger, different version of David Montgomery in that I know he's going to play some, um, I don't know exactly how much. I don't know what the Najee thing is going to look like, but I also know if something happens to Najee, it's a home run swing. Um, and so I, I, I think it just sets us up to now we can start building out stacks because we're going to need quarterbacks and we might need potential cheap wide receivers to pair with those quarterbacks. So kind of being done at running back and having the elite tight end allows us, we're like really, really flexible with what we do. And the nice thing about the running back is it does keep us with four different run- bye weeks for our five running backs, which Let's I don't def- care about buys at all other sites, but here I will. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I agree on Chig. Let's take Chig and okay. set the Titans, set the Titans thing up. Now it's really, now it's like, you talk about flexibility. It's like, well, we, we're only drafting quarterbacks and wide receivers from here on out. So every decision from here on out is like setting up stacks or, or setting up, yeah. you know, what, and- what we want to do. Like we're kind of positioned for a few of those quarterbacks, but every single quarterback is on the table. Yes, a hundred percent. Every single one. Like even here, where I don't really want to take Gino. If Gino comes, you know, I'm I I don't really foresee a a, exam, a time where he would to come. But just let's just say it happens and Gino falls forty picks past ADP, we can just take him. I understand yeah. we don't have the stacking partner, but we're in need of the quarterback and the quarterback upside, and. You could absolutely win with him without one of them with this structure, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to take like Gino at cost without any of the three wide receivers. But if he falls four rounds <laughs> past yeah. ADP, it's a very different discussion, you know? So that's always that uh, balancing act. Can you pull up quarterback when you get a chance? I just want to yeah. refresh my brain on the list. So yeah, I Carr has options for us in Shahid. We really got crazy, you know, an AT Perry or something like that in the last round. Obviously, Jordan Love has options for us. Stafford has options for us. Um, not so yeah, much Purdy. Kyler I'd does. Howell does. Say we could tack one of these quarterbacks with a late tight end too. I mm-hmm. think with the cost we paid for the tight ends, we can be done. But if we wanted to build a stack with a Fant or something, we could always do that in our twenty. A hundred percent. And. Um, I've talked a lot about this over the off season, but tight ends at the end of drafts, particularly in 20 rounds, a lot of the times the late round tight ends straight up project better than the other positions in particular wide receiver with so many wide receivers getting pulled up and people drafting more volume of wide receivers. The wide receivers we're taking at the end are either like dusty, like blue stone dusty veterans who were just like, please be on the field. Or young players who are like huge, huge, huge dogs to ever even get on the field. And I look, I got a lot of those guys I like. Okay, I dropped yeah. a lot of those guys. I'm 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 driving I'm driving the uh, Tyler Scott bandwagon. Literally, I got must have got my CLE oh, license I, or whatever. You know, I did not know you officially had taken that position. It's too late. My dick. I can't not like proclaim that when my exposures are what they are to this guy. Like uh, he's my 18th <laughs> round tight end du jour, like him and Tutu. Apparently I'm really cool. into 160 pound uh, uh, wide receivers, but, but like, look, I- I'm also willing to admit that like, it's probably a dog that Tyler Scott like ever plays more than like t- 20 snaps in a game. But the tight ends are a lot of the times like the starting tight end. Who's going to 
like play the whole game on yeah. like sometimes Hunter really, Henry's just sitting yeah. there. Right. Who's a really good, like really good actual football player. This isn't even like a, like, Oh, Logan Thomas, he probably sucks and he's dusty. This is like Hunter Henry. is like a potential like, like pro bowl level tight end when you, you account for blocking, I guess, but like, he's good. He's yeah. not going to get cut. He's going to play. We know all of that. And that guy goes back there. So um, it's just a little different where historically, I don't think we would necessarily want to do the third tight end. I think this year, we have to take into account that the market is just a little bit different positionally. Mm-hmm. Gino got close. Yeah, he sure did. There it was like <laughs> tempting fate there. I'm like, do we really got to take him? See, Pierce would have fallen right to us if we got Richardson yeah. there. We were, it was set up it so been beautiful. What do you, so what Derek Carr, Jordan love are the top quarterbacks on the board here. I'm open to like a car Shahid. I'm open to love Reed. I think the problem is, we can't have both car and love. I don't think uh, because no. we would want to take the, whichever one of those wide receivers, who do you prefer? Um, what I want to do is I want to check bye weeks real quick. And then when you're done, pick whichever of those te- quarter. Okay, I have no preference. I guess I shouldn't have said I have no preference. I, I lean to the, the saints a little bit because I think that the offensive talent is actually pretty good. Um, like even if Michael Thomas is is dust, I think that there's offensive talent here. Given Kendra and Jamal Williams and Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau and Taysom, it's not like an amazing offense. But you put Derek Carr, I think, is just like a reasonable enough kind of point guard and facilitator with their talent, and they have basically the best schedule in the entire mm-hmm. league, which is um, more helpful here on drafters, right? If I get 17 weeks of a good schedule, as opposed to three weeks late in the year when I don't really know, um, I just lean to him. So then I would take, she, I would just, I think we have to take a Shahid yeah. here, assuming he doesn't get scooped up on us. All right. And the other bit with car over love there, it just, I feel like there's a little bit more options. Yeah. With car, we got a couple different things we can do with the love. It's really read or bust unless we want to throw in a Musgrave or a craft. Right, right. Which even then, they're they're the tight ends who don't actually project better than the uh, <laughs> late round wide receivers. But I would say it's it's not because like the projection is just uh, you know generally kind of a median projection, and it's just because we're assuming it's you know Luke Musgrave is the starter. It's all good, but like Tucker Craft also got drafted in the third round, and Musgrave yeah. went in the second round, and we don't really know. We don't even know how much they're going to use the tight ends. They haven't, you know, when Rodgers was there, Tunyon had the one 10 touchdown year, but he caught like 40 passes and 10 of them were touchdowns. It hasn't historically been a really strong fantasy position in this offense. And we don't technically know kind of how it's going to shake out between the two. So they don't look awesome. Like compared to your Hunter Henry point or, or like I said, Logan Thomas, like you want to, you want to draft a corpse of a tight end, but who's still going to run all the routes. Like there's Logan Thomas available to you. Just, pray to God he falls in the end zone six times or whatever yeah, exactly. over the course of the season. Whereas Musgrave, you can tell yourself a, a ceiling story because he's a rookie. So I like that. But also you could tell yourself, a, I just drafted a guy who caught like 14 passes in college, uh, you know, on a bad offense with Jordan Love at quarterback. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was looking up Elijah Higgins stats today. And I was like, because oh, I'm trying yeah. to find anything in the Miami tight end room, like to see what's around and like, these rookie tight ends like beyond the first handful they're all just so so likely to not play any role yep uh, yep see and that's where 
uh, not to go on a, on a tangent about this, but you, you see or hear or whatever people talk about the rookie tight ends, excuse me, all the time. And those are the guys that I think you should be worried about with the, like the rookie tight end in fantasy narrative is rookie tight ends don't produce, right? Which is generally true, but it's because they're usually guys like Luke Musgrave, right? Mm-hmm. We shouldn't treat Kyle Pitts, uh, formerly TJ Hawkinson, who I know didn't really uh, do anything, but we shouldn't treat Sam Laporta the same way we treat Luke Musgrave. Sam Laporta was a dominant college player, right? Michael Meyer was a dominant college player. You know, the Trey McBride was a dominant college, but those guys are different than Luke Musgrave. And so I just think that's because you just hear people talk about that all the time. Oh, you can't draft Sam Laporta. He's a rookie tight end. Don't you know rookie tight ends don't do anything? It's like there's different shades of rookies of, of rookie tight ends. Um, but yet generally we treat them all the same. That's why Laporta goes so late, right? Like Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra were and James Mitchell were dropping, <laughs> dropping dong on people at the end of last year when TJ Hawkinson was gone, but we won't draft Sam Laporta. Like that's silly. Dropping dong. Let's work that into a <laughs> YouTube short or yes, that, Twitter we, video that we can do. Okay. What do we like in here? Uh, after I ramble about, uh, um, I'm thinking we're going to probably double tap wide receiver. Okay. What's quarterback. So we, we have, we know we have Tannehill in our back pocket, right? Ooh, uh, love. love is back. Read. So shit. There's just um, nothing. Yeah. And there's no, I don't, I, so, I don't think it's far enough. Curtis Samuel gone. Yeah. He's gone too. shit. Um, trying to think if there's a stacking. Uh, I'm just, Throw is, my yeah, is, yeah, is is Stroud is Stroud still around? That's yeah, okay. what my throw-in was hoping that maybe Stroud was still around okay. to give us another option. So and then um Dev- I saw Devontae Parker on there, uh, which would give us outs to Mac. Mm-hmm. Um trying to see. Oh, and he goes. Or Terrace or T- Terrace Marshall, which which would you know we don't have to <laughs> That's take him, bit, but would would yeah. give us outs to uh Bryce. What's Stroud's ADP? What's Stroud's ADP? Do we want to just take him and then come back and take Tannehill? 186. Yeah, I feel pretty good with Stroud. Let's take Stroud. Let's take Stroud. Yeah. I think it's also right. Houston. Houston. uh, Tank Dell goes back there. Who knows? Robert Woods might still be on the board when we come back up. Mm -hmm. Um, Would give us even more Stroud options. And then. You know, now we've got our we've got two of our guys. Now, if we, like I didn't want to get to the 18th round or whatever, and oh shit, somebody took Tannehill, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh no, oh no, this seems bad. This seems really bad. <laughs> That'll happen on occasion, but let's not waste those on the twenty dollar tournament. Yeah, so exactly. Cu- couple things I want to just toss out while we're kind of waiting through a pick to come back around. I've just now kind of stopped jumping in the 20. I've been fiddling around in the $3 most of the summer, just mm-hmm. testing, trying weird stuff out. I never do. I'll kind of play, using that as a playground before I come and start ripping my 20 bullets towards the end of the summer here. Uh, that's, one couple- That's what's great about drafters, by the way. Sorry to interrupt it. Yeah. Having that $3 at your disposal to, like maybe you haven't drafted yet. It's the perfect tournament to just be like, I'm gonna get my feet wet, start to figure out 2023, what I like, whatever. Or like you said, you have drafted, but you want to try some things, right? But you don't want to spend $20 experimenting. <laughs> you know, I mean, most people don't, right? I don't want to spend $20. I don't want to piss away a few hundred dollars experimenting. You got the $3 to do it. 
yeah, that's, it's a pretty rich experiment to end up with Ritter and Tannehill as your quarterbacks. <laughs> yes. um, okay, couple things I wanted to show here. So interesting enough, pulling up opponent IQ, 31% of my opponents are going with a 3-6-8-3. Wow. That's crazy. Like drastically different than every other build. So I want to yeah. definitely stay us away from that. 100%. So if... Uh, shout out to Sacrilegious and the Nth 18 Dimensions. Uh, we're going to have to get to the 19th Dimension here, but I want to stay away from those outcomes. Yeah, he. Uh, we just posted an article and have more coming from Sacrilegious that uh, kind of talking about uh, the main thing that he talked about today and among many really good things, but the one thing that stuck out to me was exactly what you just said, how kind of overutilized the three quarterbacks are. And I think in particular, and he was even talking about underdog on, mm -hmm. on drafters and DraftKings. the, I'm not saying we're going to draft three quarterbacks on this team. Okay. But yeah. I'm not, I'm, I, and so I'm not saying to never, to never do that. But I think the default for most drafters is to go three quarterbacks and three tight ends. And almost no matter when they take those guys, maybe they'll only take two quarterbacks when they have one of the elite guys, but I just, it's just an easy, natural leverage to just stay away from those super, super popular builds, even though, look, I, I get it in the 19th, 20th round, the quarterbacks feel better, but when you have decent enough quarterbacks, I think you want to realize to win this thing, you need these lottery. You, you're going to need some absurd lottery ticket to hit at least a few times a year, if not over the course of the entire season. Um, Ooh, Robert Woods oh, is, is around. Yeah. Or I tank. Think we got to take Robert Woods. You want Woods or tank is Tannehill gone? Tannehill's still available. Okay, so um, I think we, we're gonna want to hit him with one of these picks, and then yeah. Woods or Tank Woods or Tank Dell probably. Yeah, maybe that's what we do is we take Tannehill and let the room and decide see, for yeah, us. Yeah, let's do that. I, I don't imagine we're gonna get sniped on Tannehill, but I would be. I would rather. Yeah. Not, I guess Ritter was there too as another backstop, but I think I prefer to take uh, um, uh, Tan. I, I kind of like. Maybe this is silly. Tannehill also technically has outs to be on the Falcons. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I think we're talking about a very small percentage chance, but it's not inconceivable, which would kind of give us, you know, we, we kind of give this, this crazy double, double outs to the, the Falcons deck. Um, uh, do you prefer so Woods like for sure to, to tank? I'm pretty indifferent on those two compared to each other. I actually have 24% tank compared to zero woods. Um, so I'm going to use that as a mini tiebreaker. Also, like, I don't know a ton about Mechie just because he's totally off the radar. I would guess Robert Woods and Mechie don't play the same position. Right. That's a total like dude on a computer in Michigan, which I saw there's a chat asking, <laughs> are you in Michigan? Yes. Take as opposed to, I think if either of them played the same position, I would have guessed it's Mechi and Tank. Yeah. I mean, so my, my expectation for John Mechie all along has been uh, more yeah. of a slot receiver. Yeah. So yeah. Nico is definitely going to be playing one of the outside spots. They paid Robert Woods a whole shit ton of money. He used to be good, you know, I don't he know. He played that he's the good. outside with the Rams, right? If he's that's an outside, what he's gonna do here. Who knows? He's an outside wide receiver. Tank is a slot, hundred percent a slot. Not there, there. There are really no questions about it. Mechie is a little bit flexible technically, but he's 5'11", 194, smaller guy. Not a real burner either on the outside in terms of straight line speed. I, I think 
I don't actually want Mechie and Tank on the same team, I don't think. It's not out of the question, but I think if we're like, it's kind of like the Cardinals thing, right? So they trade or, or they're going to uh, not have Nuke anymore. When there were trade rumors, now he's cut, obviously. Everybody saw what Greg Dortch did last year and said, oh my God, it's Dortch season now. But Dortch and Rondale Moore are like the same goddamn player. <laughs> five six, five yeah, seven. They're not going to be on this field together. They they physically are will never be on the field together because they're both only slot wide receivers, right? So Hollywood's going to play one side. Michael Wilson is going to play the other side in Carolina. It's not quite that because John Mechie is not five seven, one hundred, you know, seventy pounds like Dorch is. But I think it's more similar to that where you can't just like look and be like, oh, next guy up right for for the texans because you would kind of probably think that's mechie but i think it's more mechie versus tank with woods and nico on the outside so i think i think woods was the correct pick here all right two picks left i'm thinking two wide receivers there's not a whole bunch of adp fallers like that are making me want to jump out of the wide receiver game where's yeah 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 i think we just hammer wide receivers here again our wide receivers are fine they're not absolutely amazing right there i like them but that we're not dominating this tournament at wide receiver with these current wide receivers that we have okay is two two on the board the two two is probably available and i don't even know if i want to pull them up eric going to be a dis- oh it's only eight percent on drafters the, the DraftKings two two is getting out of control <laughs> you're a coward no two two I, I do think two two also makes a lot of sense in this format where you could potentially be worried about the rams and i am very worried about the rams over the course of the entire season like cooper cup cam Akers, matthew stafford etc i think it could be bad is that only he's only 39 percent drafted in yeah. your in yours see that's that's yeah. even beautiful that's even more beautiful okay uh wide receiver let's close this baby out downs is interesting downs is a 20th round pick here um yeah. I, I really like downs so i was thinking downs westbrook akine or phillips I don't let's have take, any downs. Let's take downs. Let's take downs. Um, I'm. I was trying to look I'm at the schedule really quickly. Him. So yeah. here's part of why I'm. I'm thinking about this. Right. We have a bunch of those. So a he's a he's a rookie. When we just said our wide receivers are good, not amazing, giving us a little bit of that extra added upside from a, a rookie. He's also a little bit more of the PPR player. Uh, it's kind of funny he goes higher on other sites than he does on yeah. on on drafters, but um, I think he gives us a little bit of that home that late round home run swing. We have the Titans, we have the Jags on here, we have you know a bunch of little correlations that go with that go with Josh Downs, um, and so just kind of like tiny little micro edge when we get there, pull the lever or pull yeah. the pull the string on this uh, young rookie there that correlates with our team. Yeah, we have a lot of AFC and NFC South vibes here. Mm-hmm. Some other stuff mixed in, but especially with our quarterbacks and our pass catchers, which, I mean, that's if I was going to choose to correlate, that would probably be where I'd end up. I want to say, I should have I pulled this up before now, but I want to say, yeah, the, so the Saints, so here's, here. you want to talk about fun uh, kind of, 
not even necessarily planned out stacking. So the Saints play the Titans in week one. Um, they play the Texans in week six, the Jags in week seven, the Colts in week eight, the Bears in week nine, all of which we have players from, the tight or the excuse me, the Falcons in week twelve, the Lions in week thirteen, <laughs> uh, the Rams in week sixteen. So, you know, we're getting the a bunch of dome games as well. In those games, half the teams play in a dome or at least in good weather outside of the Titans, mm-hmm. basically. And so it's just kind of, yeah, look at that. Look at all the green on there. It's like all of those weeks we have these correlations at varying different costs. Um, and so it's just, again, that is not the end all be all. If you don't have a million game stacks on your team, there's probably a point of diminishing returns on prioritizing, like every, maximizing every single possible game stack. But it's especially when you factor cost in and the fact that you're drafting a good structure like we did. I actually think it's really, really nice. And this team worked out really, really well, right? If the Saints are what we're hoping for or the Titans, either one of them, we have all these correlations with all those guys. If they exceed their like kind of offensive production, like you said at the very top, if the Saints are better or the Titans are better, we have all these game stacks for both of those, for both of those teams over the course of the season. We basically game stacked every other Ryan Tannehill week. Yeah, we, oh my God, we did. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is great. Uh, do uh, Houston, can you do Stroud um, yeah. as well? I just want to see because it should probably yeah, be pretty similar. It's, for, yeah, it's glowing. All of them. See, all season with our three late quarterbacks, every week we have a game stack. And so it's like, that's a good way actually to maximize if you're going to punt off quarterback, right? Because the quarterback can sometimes be, A, we want them to exceed, right? We, we want the Saints to be better than what Derek Carr's priced at. We want CJ Stroud to be like a star. You know, we want Tannehill to be old Tannehill. But mm-hmm. how part of how do they get there and put those big weeks up is like a really good game environment, right? Uh, a high-scoring game in good weather in a dome or whatever. And so it's a, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not as concerned about it if we did the Eagles thing. With Jalen Hurts. It's like, look, the Eagles are going to smash and they're, we just want them to score a bunch of points. I don't necessarily care if we got these bringbacks, but on, oh, wow. But on uh, these punt teams, I think it's a good way to kind of get less things right over the course of the entire season. Like we said, the punt quarterbacks are going to be good. Okay. If they're good, what does that mean? That means these games are going to be better than we expected. So um, I like it. I like it a lot. And like, especially if only, I mean, we're, we got a good team. You know, if only one of those three quarterbacks exceeds expectations, hundred percent, one exceeds and two are meh, that's fine. But if two of them exceed or something like that, or maybe Tannehill starts out hot, Stroud comes on late and cars kind of him throughout, you know, we got a pretty nice uh, setup here. We'll read the team in a second, but I did want to give a shout out. I don't know who it is yet, but we do see somebody is our first indoctrin into the Toon Squad. <laughs> it looks like a Michael Wilson Toon stack oh, here. I'm betting it's Updog, but I need to get up there and see. It is. 100% it is. Updog, yep. welcome to the Toon Squad. Toon Squad, rise up, he says. Um, I haven't made my, I haven't dipped my toes into uh, the Toon Squad yet, but I do. I get it. I get it. Um, this is definitely, these are the types of things you see on the sicko streams like this, the tune squad, the Michael Wilson, Clayton tune stacks are definitely the things you see here that you may not see elsewhere. So please 
don't uh, hold that hold that against us. Uh, we become members of things like the Tune Squad, or we drive Darrington Evans from a, a undrafted player into the thirteenth round. Uh, crazy things happen in these these sicko streets. But go ahead and uh, uh, is there is Tutu Atwell this year's Darrington Evans? Uh, probably Tutu. But two, two, two is like that's like too easy. I guess Darrington. Yeah. When we look back on it now, Darrington was kind of too easy. Clearly, the handcuff to I know it didn't work, but like clearly the handcuff to uh, Derrick Henry going undrafted. But two, two is like it feels too easy to me. It's like I'm, I'm like he's gonna play, he's gonna start, he's a big play threat. The Ram- he has no risk. Like I was talking about before, if the Rams fall apart, collapse, bench everybody, try to start over or rebuild or whatever. Tutu's the one that's immune to that. They're not going to shut Tutu Atwell down. And if anything, they shut Cup down. And I know he's a little guy. He's, he's never going to have like a 35% target share. But like he was pretty good last year down the stretch in a, in a really limited sample. If he's out there with no target, if it's him and Puka Nakua, like, <laughs> like Tutu's going to be well, pretty good, I think. Well, the interesting thing is, is like, he's going to beat out Ben Skronik for targets. Like yes. fine. Ben, Ben's going to be on the field because he switches to fullback or whatever, but like they don't want to throw him the ball. No. His skill set aligns with Stafford's arm getting down the field They're in the, I think they played one game together last year, Stafford and Tutu and Tutu two had a long touchdown. Yep. McVay's gonna draw plays for him. Like he just makes a lot of sense to me. And I did pull him up there. And if you guys didn't notice what I did real quick while me and Eric were on the clock is so Tutu is getting drafted in only 39% of my drafts right now. So that's a way that we can add just a little layer of uniqueness in those later rounds. Also, we did. Can you put downs in when you get a chance? Yeah, see, okay. That's what I. That's kind of what I figured, but uh, that's also kind of shocking that two two is only thirty nine percent and Downs is basically drafted in every draft. Yeah. For some reason, people just like look at two two and they're like, "No, we're not drafting him." And I don't get it. Uh, like, is he going to be a great player? I don't know, but like, Josh Downs ninety seven percent drafts are two two thirty nine. Like, why is the market correct? I don't know. I I, I, I look, again. I'm not trying to sit here and say two two is going to be an all pro wide receiver or be anything at all this season, but remove the fact that he's the size of one of my dogs. He was a second round pick. He was a second round pick who is basically confirmed starting in three wide receiver sets, possibly two. I would assume it's van and cop yeah. and two wide receivers, but they basically run, they basically run 10 personnel the whole game anyway. So it, it's going to be three wide receiver sets. So in three wide receiver sets, he's a second round pick who was dominant in college, like truly dominant in in college playing for the recent super bowl champions with matthew <laughs> stafford and one of the best offensive play callers and you know ma- offensive masterminds in in the nfl second round pick starting right like doesn't get drafted and i understand like i'm i'm specifically painting that picture because it it makes tutu look better but like yeah. that's the whole point of all this everybody has negatives christian mccaffrey has negatives Right, everybody has flaws. There's there's this guy with all these positives, but because we're worried about the Rams, which I am too, but we talked about how that doesn't impact Tutu, and because he's little, we're we're scared of it. But Wandale goes higher, <laughs> like Wandale goes higher, right? Rondale Moore goes has has Rondale Moore was like a ninth round pick last year. He's five seven, so like we're, we're like I know Tutu's skinny, but like I feel like 
like I said, it feels too easy because it, it, it feels just like we're really focused in on the fact that he's a little player and didn't, you know, didn't pop up last year, but he really kind of did pop up a little bit last year. And so um, I'm going down with that. Also, it's much more fun to go down with that than like fourth round Gabe Davis, like fourth round Gabe Davis even made my stomach turn last year. I I'm happy to go down on the two, two train. Cause even yeah. if it fails, I'll just, I'll be able to say, uh, oh, it's just a last round pick. Who cares? Exactly. And one of the nice things that we did there is we did, we did also get pretty unique in structure with a three, five, 10, two. I like it. Only 3% of my opponents have done that so far. And see, that's that's just a little thing that I would do. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Where it's like the three five ten two makes just as much sense as any structure, particularly with this team. But everyone else foregoes, like everyone else, as you so it would have made that a three six eight three team, right? That's mm-hmm. the chalkiest build that you showed up pulled up there. Everyone else would have taken not taken downs and two two in the nineteenth and twentieth round. They would have taken a tight end and a running back there. And it's like Downs and Tutu might have been the best two picks on the board there, but we instantly made ourselves different than how everyone else would draft that team, which is important when there's 111,000 <laughs> entries in, yeah. a, in a tournament. It's a little thing. Is it probably going to be the reason you win? No, but over the course of 150 teams or 25 teams or 50 teams, we want to stack up those little things because when they hit, that's what wins. That's the difference in min cashing and winning the tournament. The, uh, you never know which little micro edge it's going to be, but you'll know when it hits. When it hits, it's it's what wins you the tournament. And we didn't do anything wild here, and we got an extremely unique team. We took a first-round player and a second-round player together. <laughs> Yeah. And we're projecting that uh, 1% ownership together. Crazy. It's crazy. Then add in some structure uniqueness that wasn't outside of the realm. It's just like the last two picks you just outlined. And we just got ourselves something that's viable for the win. Is it going to win? Probably not. Let's hope it does. This stream will get played back forever. Yes. But like little things like that in a tournament that's cumulative scoring is just what you need to do. A hundred, a hundred percent. So, um, we are definitely going to be doing more of these. Maybe I will we'll, we'll make B. Kurt come back and we'll draft a couple more of these over the course of the next couple of weeks. Two quick housekeeping items. Hey, if you've not signed up for drafters yet, there's a promo that way. There's a promo code up in the corner, promo code spike. You can get a hundred percent deposit bonus up to one hundred dollars. So deposit a hundred dollars. Get a hundred dollars free from drafters to use in this, right? So five free entries into this tournament or a bazillion free entries into the three dollar tournament. You also can get a free month of Spike Week premium if you use promo code Spike and go to um there. I'll put a link in the description. You just have to fill out a quick form and say, Hey, idiots, I signed up for drafters using promo code Spike, and I would like a free month of Spike Week premium. You can get that. Uh those are the main two things. If you already have signed up for drafters and you want to use Spike Week Premium, Beaker just showed you all the different things that you can see both with the draft hacker during our draft. We were able to see the correlations and the player schedule and stacks and everything. It's really good for drafters. I think it's it's good for every one of the different sites, but I really enjoy it for drafters. Um, and you have to see draft IQ. You can see how often your opponents are drafting different things. You can see how you're specifically right player combinations and structures that you're drafting and all those different things, uh, all within spike week premium with draft IQ. But before we get out of here, be Kurt, anything else that you want to leave the people with? 
Uh, just going to do a quick roster rundown. You know, if anybody's uh, 70 minutes into the stream here and wants to hear the final <laughs> roster, then we'll get out of here. So at quarterback, we have Carr, Stroud, and Tannehill. Running back, Pollard, Montgomery, Damian Harris, Cleo Herbert, and Warren. Wide receiver, Lamb, Ridley, London, Burks, Moore, Shahid, Mechie, Woods, Atwell, and Downs. Woof, that's 10 top receivers and then at tight end it's a spike week special with kyle pitts and trev's favorite chig aconquo shout out to trev we had to get i think that's the first time i've drafted chig on a stream at all so even when trev was on there we wouldn't let him have have chig so shout out to everybody from the spike week spike week crew tons more stuff coming if you're watching this live right now or on uh rewind during the day tonight have another show myself and jacob sanderson are gonna uh at 7 p.m eastern gonna talk a little bit about upside and how we can win best ball tournaments targeting upside but for that for myself and b kurt we'll be out where where, we'll be out of here i guess technically we will be out of here but we are out of here and we'll see you guys a little later peace Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.